And it's finally Friday, Mike Broomhead. No kidding. No kidding. You know, I actually had such a long week. I woke up this morning and I thought it was Wednesday. Oh, no. I'm not kidding. So I woke up and thought it was Wednesday. And when I realized it was Friday, it feels like, oh, my gosh, I just got to skip two days this week. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. So I'm so happy it's Friday. Happy Friday. What do you think of the Cardinals pick? I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> I don't know who that person is. <laughs> I don't. Oh, well. I'm not a college football person. Right, so. Well, he he played for Ohio State. Think? Well, he played for Ohio State. That says which is, a lot right there. That's his only flaw in my book. Oh. He is an amazing football player, and I think he's going to be great for the oh, Cardinals. Oh, good. I'm glad yeah, to hear I mean, that. this guy is just a beast. So, um, uh, thanks, Jamie. Have a good weekend. You too. And, uh, Welcome, everyone. A lot to talk about. Yeah, we'll get into the Cardinals thing a little bit later on because I think it's still a big news story. There's a lot of big news stories happening today. We're going to start with the economy and uh, and gas prices. U.S. average gas prices dropped five cents a gallon, not here in Arizona. Arizona remains extremely high. Refining issues, delivery issues, and what we you know the fuel that we use. Um, and I wonder how uh, everybody. I think everybody wants clean air, and that just seems to me to, to be a no brainer. But I wonder. If Arizonans given an opportunity, because we are way above the federal standard, <clears throat> we are required to have a certain kind of fuel. But I believe that the blend that we use this time of year is in far excess of what the federal government requires. Knowing what our air quality is like here in Arizona, knowing that we live in a dust bowl, that there are days when it's not good, the ozone levels, people with asthma. Would you would you if it were cheaper? Would you be within federal guidelines and lower the standard a little bit? I think it's a great question. The reason why I think it's a great question is because Arizonans are suffering right now. And working class people, small business owners, and and I mean big businesses as well, but the people that are just trying to keep their heads above water financially with what's happening in the world, this is a tough place to be. And I think I focus on fuel prices so much. We When I had my company was in, in business, we were largely what they called the gang box jobs where our guys drove their own vehicles, with the exception of a couple of vehicles I had. But for the most part, people drove themselves to the job sites. And uh, so I didn't have to worry much. But I know that when you are a – there were years – I think there was one year that I put almost 50,000 miles on my vehicle. It was well over 40,000. And uh, I did it when I was traveling around, and I was in the work truck doing it myself. I was driving out to Maricopa and then out to um, Florence and all over the valley here, and I was racking up a lot of miles. And fuel was killing me. It was at a time when fuel prices were high then. So I think that kind of, for me as a small business owner, it's one of those things that you realize just cripples your business. There's nothing you can do about it, especially if it is it is the you know it is a big piece of what your business is. Um, People are starting to look at the policies of what's happening or are questioning whether or not they're going to work. There's a New York Times story. A higher food prices bring profits, but consumers start to resist. This is where I think uh, being a capitalist, I'm not ever envious of when – businesses charge what they can for their product. And the people out there that believe, that that look at prices of things and they talk about obscene profits, when it comes to them personally, 
I'll give you an example at the very extreme end of things. One of the biggest uh, complainers about profit in this country is Bernie Sanders, the senator, who is a socialist. He he caucuses with the Democrats and he runs for office as a Democrat when he runs for president. But he is a self-proclaimed socialist. He believes that socialism is fair and it's the way to go. Um, When he was called out for becoming a multimillionaire – He said, if you go and write a book, you can be a millionaire, too, because he has been become very famous as being a lifelong politician, telling other people how much money they're allowed to make. And people subscribe to that, which I find fascinating, because if you truly want to be a socialist, why wouldn't you sell your book for less money to certain poorer groups of people? Why wouldn't you charge someone like me full price and somebody else that's making a minimum wage, uh, you know, 10 bucks for your book? It's interesting how they become capitalists in their personal economy. And I guarantee you that Bernie Sanders has accountants that do his taxes for him so he can take advantage of the legal deductions that are available in the tax code. All of that seems reasonable to me. And yet they lecture, and this is where the people that, that, that go along with the idea of fairness. And listen, we all would like life to be fair, and we realize it isn't. We realize there are times, listen, medication's expensive. I, I've, I you know, talked about the last couple of years of my struggles with hypertension. I was diagnosed with severely high blood pressure. I was just talking to Sharp about it off the air this morning. There, there was, I have a really bad sleep apnea, so I have to wear one of those machines when I sleep, and I have to take meds. I can't do either or. Both are the only thing that control my high blood pressure. Um, And for those of you that know high blood pressure, uh, when I first got diagnosed and I didn't know that I was hypertensive, and then I began to realize how bad off I was, I was taking my blood pressure three, four, five times a day and really scaring the heck out of myself. And I woke up one morning, for those of you out there that know blood pressure, I woke up one morning, first thing in the morning, because it was connected to my sleep apnea before I had the machine, and I woke up and I was 207 over 127. Now, how I didn't have a stroke, I don't know, but that was what my blood pressure was. I went straight to the emergency room. Thank God I worked for a company here that was understanding, and, and, and even in that last minute when I woke up to come here, I was able to take that morning off and do what I needed to do. The point is I take multiple medications for to control my blood pressure. I understand the cost of medicine. I get it. But the fact of the matter is, and, and one of my medications, I actually use GoodRx, so I get the cheapest price with it through GoodRx. I understand that if you're going to be a capitalist, there are going to be times when you look at things and go, I can't believe that is that expensive. How in the world can they get away with charging that for that? But at the same time, I also look when I sell a house, I want to sell my house for as much money as I can. I'm I'm probably going to sell my motorcycle. When I sell my motorcycle, I look on and see what is the value of my bike. And everybody does it, including the people that are socialists. When you do your taxes, you are going to take every legal deduction you can, and you're going to make sure that you pay as little as you can in taxes. The problem is they want to spend other people's money. Fairness means somebody else has to pay more, not you. And if you wanted to pay more, you could. You could. So here, a couple of things. This is Elizabeth Schultz from ABC, and this is the GDP and the slowdown. This is a comment. 
this report shows a slowdown when it comes to the American economy in the first three months of the year. 1.1% growth is a significantly slower pace than what we saw at the end of last year. In some ways, this is what the Federal Reserve here has been wanting. They want to see the economy cooling off so that inflation starts to come down. But they're trying to cool the economy off just enough without tipping it into a full-blown recession. Well, we are, there are new stories, and I've got one in front of me. Economy is unwell. GDP report underlines recession concerns. So what are those fears? And she goes on to talk about those. This report today does potentially raise the fears of a recession being a little bit higher as we're seeing growth come down. And the key reason for that is a consumers. We've got to remember the American economy is about consumer spending. More than half of the economy is fueled by Americans going out, spending their money, shopping online, at restaurants, on services. And if that spending starts to pull back, that's when you could really see the economy take a hit. Well, that's exactly what's going to happen when people start losing their jobs. And it's been said from the beginning, in order to slow down inflation, we're going to have to get into a place where people are losing their jobs. They're predicting about a million jobs will be lost. And they uh, and they talk about those jobs being lost compared to the tens of millions of people, the hundreds of millions of people in what we're paying in inflation and you've the trade-off that has to happen there. But isn't this fat? When I talk about policy, sometimes it's local and state, sometimes it's federal. Look at what Arizona has done, how we have managed to grow and diversify our economy by lowering taxes and regulation on businesses. Everybody in Arizona has benefited from that. Wages have gone up. Now, inflation has been very high because of our housing shortage, largely. But we're paying a lot more in gas prices right now. But we are doing very well in the employment sector, and part of it is the way we've reduced regulation and we've reduced taxes. We've become a better, more business-friendly or job-creator-friendly environment. I want you to hear, see this, hear this headline out of New York. New York is set to pass the first statewide law banning gas in new construction. In New York, they want to, again, this is, I remember they were saying in the federal government, we're not going after um, natural gas. Well, yeah, they are. New York is getting ready to ban it. And the federal government are the ones that started this. Natural gas is an inexpensive way to run your appliances. And now all of a sudden, I want you to hear this, all of a sudden, it's become deadly. This is the part of, as someone says it, other people jump on it, and it's it's ridiculous, my gas bill I, in my previous residence, the one I'm in now, it doesn't have gas appliances or I would be using it. Um, but in the old place, I had a gas stove, I had a gas dryer, and I had a gas water heater. Now, granted, I live alone, but washing clothes, drying clothes, um, and it does matter because you use hot water when you wash – Running the dishwasher, all the things that I did that require hot water, uh, the, and I cooked very often at the house with the gas stove, my bill was around 30 bucks a month to run all of those appliances. And you're going to put the burden of that expense now, and you're going to tax the electric grid even more because of these policies. This is the stuff that I think people need to pay more attention to than just the personalities. Coming up in a moment, um, 35,000 migrants are waiting in Juarez to cross into the U.S. when Title 42 expires. Are we prepared? That's a great question. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. 
All right, we're going to hear from uh, Secretary Mayorkas here in a moment, some comments about what they are doing and a new plan from the federal government about the border. 35,000 migrants wait in Juarez to rush the southern border when Title 42 um, is uh, when it expires. Later on this morning, should be an interesting morning, we are going to have joining us in the 10 o'clock hour. His name is uh, John Maudlin. He is the chief patrol agent for the Tucson sector of the Border Patrol. And so we're going to have the experts, boots on the ground, kind of give us an assessment of what's going on, just explain what's happening, the mission of the Border Patrol. Do they feel confident that they are completing the mission? And uh, I, this is the place to go. Go to the experts that do it every day, and we're going to do that at 10.05. So set your alarm, download the news app, uh, the KTAR news app. You'll be notified when the interview happens. Um, and you can always catch it on the podcast if you miss it today. But Secretary Secretary Mayorkas was speaking, and uh, he says the border's closed. The smugglers' propaganda is false. Let me be clear. Our border is not open and will not be open after May 11th. Um, if they're not going to change anything at the border, and I'm, I'm just being very uh, blunt – if they're not going to change policies at the border, the border is open. Is there anybody – I don't care what political party you belong to. Um, do you believe the border is not open with the, the, the amount of fentanyl that's getting through our borders? And, I, though, and, and I've had people say fentanyl is coming through largely through the ports of entry, and you're right. It is, but it's getting through because of how much is crossing the border and the power and control of the border – that we know that the cartels have. When the secretary talks about uh, cartels propaganda, that is a part of it. Word gets back. And here's one of the other things about when you send someone home. I want you to think about the journey from a Central American country making their way through Mexico in a caravan by whatever means, as uncomfortable as it is, that they make their way from their home country through Mexico all the way north and they get to the border with Arizona. If they get to the border with Arizona, having spent all of that time risking their lives and money that they don't have, being indebted to the cartels, when they're contemplating that experience and they're hearing from people, I did it. I took the amount of time it takes to leave our home and go north. I paid the money. I risked my life. I almost died. It was a horrible journey. It was terrible. And then I got into the U.S., and when I got into the U.S., they turned me around. They put me on an airplane, and they flew me back. I wasted my money. I wasted my time, and I almost wasted my life. When that story is told over and over again, people, not everyone, but then a lot of people say it's not worth the risk. When you're hearing that people are coming in, and because of U.S. laws and the way that they're being interpreted and lack of enforcement right now, people are finding out that they are coming across our border, they are filing asylum claims, and they're waiting 10 years while they have legal status in the U.S. to stay while they wait, 10 years to get a court date, that right there incentivizes it. I want you to think about what, if you were going to go somewhere, if you were going to go to another country, and you weren't sure if they would let you stay, and then you found out you would be in that country for 10 years before you ever saw a judge with legal status to stay and work, what would you do? Now, I'm, it's different for me because I'm old, a little older now, but if I were in my 20s again 
and this was a choice for me. And I realized I'm probably going to meet my wife there. I'm probably going to have a child there. I'm probably going to, you know, maybe start a business, but definitely start a career there. And in 10 years, there's no way they're sending me home based on American laws. If I have an American child, they're not going to send me home. The incentive to come is very, very high. When you hear you will remain in Mexico, the borders will not be open to you, that you are not going to cross into our country to make an asylum claim. If you want to make an asylum claim, you'll make it in the first safe country you come to, which is Mexico. You make your asylum claim there, and you can wait in Mexico for 10 years while we go through this waiting list of people to decide whether or not you can come. That waiting list would shrink very quickly because people would understand that laws were going to be um, enforced. So now he talks about legal, this is the secretary again, Mayorkas, talking about legal pathways into the country. It's a lot easier for people um, who are contemplating um, uh, coming to determine from their own countries whether they have a legal pathway uh, to do that. Um, So it's making legal pathways much more accessible. And when you want people, and again, I think we should have a a system of immigration in this country that is... um, an excellent system that allows good people an opportunity to come and live the American dream. I am not someone that is against immigration, not even close. I am pro-immigration. I think we should have a robust guest worker program and an immigration system. What we can't have is an illegal immigration system. We've got to have border security, and then we have to have an immigration system that works. We don't have either. 10 o'clock is when the interview will be with somebody from Border Patrol that's going to give us an explanation of what's happening. Coming up in a moment, it's Gatos and the Big Q poll question of the day. So please stick around for that. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, happy Friday, Gatos. Happy Friday, man. How's it going? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing good. I got a good question. You ready? I'm ready. All right, because I'm interested to see uh, what you think about this. There were uh, there were a lot of people, and it was kind of like a gathering and a rally, and they were trying to see if they could uh, move an issue forward. And here's the issue. Should undocumented Arizonans be allowed to obtain a driver's license? I mean, we've kind of talked about this for years. We don't we don't do that here in Arizona. And I think we've got a, a Democratic lawmaker who's trying to uh, you know put a bill through and uh, and see if this will happen. I mean, there are pros and cons. I mean, one of the pros is while well, you get them in there, they have to take the test. They've got to pass the test, and then you know you give them a license. But uh, you know, for me, I don't like it. I've never liked it. Um, I think that it, it it's like, hey, you know, come to this country and we'll give you everything. I think it's part of the mixed message, don't you? I mean, the mixed message we send already, if we, we are saying don't come, but then if you come, you're entitled to a lot of these other things. Right, exactly. And I think that, you know, I don't think the bill will go anywhere. But, you know, Chad and I were discussing it. If it ever were to get through, and it probably won't, would Hobbs sign it? Because, yes, I mean, I don't. I, yeah, I mean, that's the easy thing to say is yes, but I, I don't know. I, I, we don't know 100%. I, I'm not sure because I know the tamale bill has been like a big issue and all that kind of stuff. Are you are you are you really sure she would sign something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, I'm, hmm. I think that that aligns. And I, I'm, it's an observation, not necessarily even a criticism. Yeah. I think it aligns with some of the things that she has done before as a legislator and and the um, uh, kind of the ideology of the Democratic Party in Arizona. 
I, I think the ideology of the Democratic Party, but, you know, I, I don't know. You know, she's been to the border three times. Um, we just talked to Doug Nichols yesterday, the Yuma mayor. She's been talking to him. She seems to be on it, if you want to say it like that, on the border. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know everything about her yet. I can't tell. But, you know, if it's me, I don't pass that bill. I, I just I don't like that type of a bill. Um, and I think we're just giving you way too much when when you come here. It's It just seems like everybody's just allowed to walk over and we might have thousands of people just walk over and we're like, come on in. Yeah, I just don't get it. Man, I don't I either. It. I don't either. I think what it does is it also then it goes against what everybody in, in Yuma and other places are trying to do to try to stop the flow of people. It, there, it seems to be kind of an incentive. So that's why I'm against it. So, yeah, yeah. It, but it's I a mean, great I like question. That we're the type of country that we can allow people to come in on asylum and that kind of thing. Right. But me too. They've abused. They've abused that yeah. asylum law so much. A that, 10 year wait you know, list. Yeah. For a court date. Ten year wait list for a court date. Yeah, we were talking about that too. I love the question and uh, have a good weekend. I have have a good weekend. All right, man. Thanks. That's Gatos and the Big Q poll question today is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. We are going to talk about the murder rates jumping and how do we solve the problem. All that's coming up in just a few moments.